Hello guys and welcome back to another podcast. This is my first official podcast here. And today I have a guest, uh, Cullen Tallhelm. He's a good friend of mine uh, through a band and through school. Cullen? Hello. Uh, so Cullen, uh, he's also of my age at 16 and we're both juniors at our uh, high school. And today uh, our good uh, our talk- topic that we have uh, decided to come up with as a good icebreaker for the official start of this podcast, uh, we're going to be talking about education and uh, the various aspects in education. And uh, so, uh, Colin, uh, you have anything to say to start us off? So, one of the big things with our education system that I see with a lot of students, uh, not a lot with me, but a lot of other kids I see, is stress. Now, there's a lot of factors for why there's a lot of stress with teenagers that are in high school. One is because of the class size. Classes tend to be pretty big, 20 to 30 students, if not more, depending on what class it is. And, you know, you might be like, oh, this isn't that bad, but then you realize it kind of, when you're in the class, it feels more like a factory rather than a classroom. It feels like they're just trying to export kids rather than, you know, uh, actually get the content into the kids' brains. Well, I can uh, back you up very much with that. Um, I'm in an advanced placement class, an AP class, and those classes tend to be smaller. But despite that factor, that generalization, um, I take two AP classes. Now, one of them is of a reasonable size, around 15 kids. But my other AP class, which is uh, European history, there's around uh, 25 kids in that class. And I do remember last year when I was a sophomore, I did take uh, two other AP classes. And those classes, um, both of them had well over 20 kids in them. And sometimes it made uh, the environment more stressful. Um, I definitely do know that there's just a lot more work going on and the teacher could not uh, go around and be attentive to all the students and all their needs uh, considering there's so many students and so much content to cover. Yeah, I see that a lot where teachers can't really help because there's so many students that need help. They can't get in contact uh, with them and actually single out the issues because there's too much going on. And that leads to things like teacher inability where there's so much going on that they can't help at all, and the teacher actually falls behind more than the students do, and then you get teachers like, uh, should I say, you know? Oh, well, we're not going to be naming <laughs> teachers here for the sake of the the podcast, and uh, we're trying to not screw things over, but I, I can definitely say that in the past, uh, there was a lot of teachers, um, and it's not their fault, it's... Uh, there's a lot of factors that go into why there's uh, huge classes and just one teacher. Um, I definitely do know there's a better performance rate with uh, a lower class, like a smaller class size uh, per teacher. And I think some school districts in the in the state and even in the country they have achieved like a student to teacher ratio of like ten students to one teacher. And those uh, schools they have seen their test scores uh, scores bolster and all this stuff, and it and it really has benefited a lot of people and. And like in the long run, it really does help. In the short run, there's some there's some consequences to that uh, financially and even mentally for the uh, teachers and students and even the school district. But mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot. And I can even attest to this because I actually worked at a summer camp once uh, about two, three summers ago, and uh, I taught. Valley. Yeah, Hidden Valley. It's a local Boy Scout ranch. We're both in Boy Scouts, by the way. Um, I was a teacher for two first aid classes. The first class had 34 kids, and the second class had four kids. Now, the second class, we ended up every day getting done about 20 minutes quicker than uh, the the other class. So not only did we finish faster, but the uh, more of the students in that class passed than in the, the larger class. So not only did they, they attain more information, but they were able to do it in a shorter amount of time, and it was less stressful for them. Uh, I could... 
definitely say that for myself. This past summer camp, uh, Cullen and I went to the same summer camp despite us being in different troops, and there were certain classes that we had, and um, I know that there's some teachers, uh, well, some like merit badge counselors, I should say, they had a large class, and they, we often either either overran the class uh, because we knew that most of the kids, they didn't have anything else after that, or uh, most of us couldn't complete the class at all, so we went home with partials, and our parents were mad, but like, um, it, it definitely, it doesn't have to apply to school, it can apply to other organizations and activities. Um, and with our case, it, it's Boy Scouts. And that leads us into another thing, I, I think George Bush, uh, a, a couple, like, I think like 10-15 years ago, he signed into uh, the No Child Left Behind Act, and that really, like, it has good intentions. Uh, I think it was the purpose of, like, uh, if there's a kid struggling in, uh, in a class, the teacher would try to bring up that uh, mm -hmm. child up to the level of everyone else, but at the main, uh, at the same time, it would hold back the entire class. But um, I mean that leaves some stress. Uh, but like it was more like there's a lot of laziness that I found with this. Um, but I mean it, it's not that big of a role, but it, it is something that has to be reviewed again um, in the future. Now um, we can see stuff like this in our math classes too. I forget what the type of learning is. But it's where they put four students in a in a group in math class. Is it power um, learning or something like that? I think it's something like that. But basically, there are two medium kids who are about medium level. There's one low kid, and then there's one high kid. Uh, this is like their level of how um, educated they are in that subject. And what's supposed to happen is is the kid who's a higher uh, like higher rank in that class, um, they help teach the lower and mediums, which brings up those kids, and also why they explain it. It will help them the higher students understand the uh, subject more. So, sometimes I found this, like, really dumb because, like, uh, there's these, like, sometimes there'd be, like, the medium-level kid, but, like, there'd be, like, this one topic I just could not understand. And the, the kid that was smart would just, like, don't care, and he was like, well, screw you. Just, like, figure it out yourself. Uh, just because I'm smart doesn't mean I could do everything for you. And, and that's like, usually what, what happens. And I'm like, what the heck? This is this is not working. I'd call over to teacher, and they'd be like, well, they're smart. Well, why won't they help you? And I'm like, what the heck? And that's one of the things that usually happens is because the um the higher student is so focused on trying to help the other kids learn that it becomes overbearing and they even start to sh like shut down and do their own work which i've experienced before as well me as like the i guess the higher student where at some points i just get tired of helping and just realize oh i just should probably do my own work and then not help the other yeah, students like, there'd be situations where i'd be like the student that would be this smarter in this like topic and, and i would like i would want to help the other kids because like like my other, like maybe they'd be friends or just like teammates or whatever this concept of thing is, is I would try to help them and so they could like also succeed. But like sometimes it's like when there's like the trouble, it's like, well, what if I don't understand and then no one else understands and we have a test on this, uh, on the subject material? I'm like, what do we do? And then sometimes mm -hmm. the teachers are like, well, figure it out yourself. Aren't, aren't you the smart one? And I'm like, uh, maybe. Yeah, so that's, that's just one issue we see with, um, with stress, but there's also workload. Now, this I mean, is probably the biggest factor, I'd say. It's, it's tricky, uh, like, judging workload, because um, with advanced placement classes, uh, workload, high workload is expected. Um, that's why that's why I signed up for a class. I'm learning uh, material that we're going to cover at a speed, at, a, at like a college-level speed. I, I, I signed up for it. I, I expected it, so I know what I'm getting myself into. What I wasn't getting myself into is having a teacher being so overworked with the amount of students 
that that workload becomes impossible to complete considering my lack of understanding or the lack uh, or the lack of ability for a teacher to teach mm -hmm. considering there's so much stress on it and uh, that's just really tough when the teacher's stressed I'm stressed the workload's the same and they have to keep on going but we don't understand where do we go from there and it could be even subject material that will impact the rest of the year yeah now um I agree with what you said how you got yourself into it but I still don't think that like counteracts like how much stress you have now. Yeah, so there's some classes where I have like an hour a night and every night, and then there's some classes where I don't have any a night. But I would say on average I have about two hours of homework a night, which I get home around three twenty. I relax, you know, eat until like four, and then I actually start to sit down and do my homework. Now that I'm not going to be done till six, and then if I have Boy Scouts, then I have to go to the, be there by 7, so I have to get ready at 6.30, and then I don't get home until 9-ish. So, like, you see how much stress I have, and then Justin, you, well, I, you I, do cross-country. I, I do a sport, so, like, I mean, both of us are in bands, so we have to wake up early every morning. So, like, I usually, like, like we don't have to be there by 7.25, so, like, I now adjust my sleep schedule. I wake up at, like, 6.30, leave the house by 7, that stuff. So, but, like, still, like, when you have to still wake up pretty early, get to the school early, and then um, band runs over uh, into the first period by a couple of minutes, no biggie, but it's like walking from the band wing to other classes. Um, my first period class, which is my pre-calc class, my teacher, um, when he does tests, he does it once the bell rings. So every time there's a test, I always come late, and um, I start late, and it, it's really detrimental considering I won't be able to finish the, the content that I have to uh, do in the same amount of time everyone else did. They, like, I wouldn't say that there's an unfair advantage, but it's just like that, that math class is like really important it's it's a way to class there's a lot of material that's covered and when i miss that material in that time it, it's a big blow because uh because i came in five minutes later than everyone else did uh, i can't complete that last problem maybe that last problem is 10 points and the test is 40 points i'm automatically down to 75 percent and that, that can affect my gpa and all that stuff and yeah. then I'm in sports. I don't come home till five, and I'm also in scouts. That's seven. Sometimes I have to push back my homework until I come home at eight, and I won't be done till midnight. Yeah, and back to the whole first period thing with band. Um, so, I uh, like Justin said, we get out of band around I guess uh, eight eight well eight oh five. It's something like that. It doesn't really and matter. The bell rings at eight o'clock, so we automatically are five minutes late to class. We're oh, we're supposed to get to our classes by eight ten. However, my first period, first period teacher, since we only have like two band students in the class, she starts right at eight o'clock. So usually she starts with like an activity. That's that's the funny thing. My class, like, there's like seven, eight mm -hmm. band kids out of fifteen, and he's still and like my teacher's like, yeah, here's a test, and like there's only like six kids in class, and then like eight of us walk in, we're like, hey, what the heck? Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's a big issue. But my teacher likes to start activities every day. And she calls, it's Spanish class, and she'll call on the students to see what their answers are at the end of the activity. However, when I get to my class, usually I only have like one minute to like scramble to do the activity, and then she'll call on me and I don't know like any of the answers. So that's that's one issue, but also, like I was saying before with, I have to wake, I wake up around 5.45 because I have some responsibilities and stuff I have to do in the morning, and then I don't actually start homework until 4, so I have three AP classes, all the other classes are honors classes, so I have multiple hours of homework a night, and then extra uh, extracurricular activities I have to do, so I only have about an hour to maybe two hours of free time a night if I if I really, like, even have that, 
to actually sit down and relax, and that's what really causes the stress, not having the ability to sit back and calm down. It's just the constant, like, trudging through, like, school until the weekend, and if I even get a weekend, because a lot of times I'd either have to work, which I don't anymore, or I'd, like, have to do all my homework over the weekend as well. And that's one of the big issues with I school. feel like a lot of these problems uh, related with, like, school-related stress, um, it, it could be all solved with... It increased funding, in my opinion, um, and increasing, uh, not, not increase, I should say, uh, changing the student-to-teacher ratio from whatever the national average is, which I think is like somewhere around 20 to one, uh, uh, twenty students to one teacher, somewhere around to like 15 students to one teacher. I know 10, 10 seems like an extreme number, considering that's a lot of teachers, and I know teachings, uh, like getting uh, secondary and primary education uh teachers um they're they're in demand there's not many people going in uh to education uh as much anymore um uh previously in like previous years and so that's a huge problem but uh, there's a lot of things like school funding uh, a lot of teachers are being underpaid i know out in oklahoma uh the amount let me see real quick they spend somewhere around eight thousand and ninety seven dollars per student and i know uh a, a while back actually um, they had to like reduce their school weeks from five days to four days a week, and then they had to reduce the hours. I think from like somewhere around like six and a half to six hours, so like they didn't have to pay the teachers that much. And so like when you're having less days of school, um, and yet it's still like a technical full year, like they would start like mid August and end in like uh, beginning of January, like and like they're only going to school like four days a week. That sets back the entire state and all the students. Uh, compared to the entire nation in Oklahoma, yes, it's a small, uh, it's a, a, a state with a smaller population, but then that makes it worse. Considering there's a small population, uh, this state that's small with a small population, these kids, they're behind the entire nation of 300 million people, and that's a lot. Uh, when there's one state that small, and now they're behind, they have like literally no chances of like succeeding and propelling. Now, in, in our state, Pennsylvania, they spend around $15,000 per student, um, and high-performing states have generally have higher spending per student. Those states are uh, New York and Connecticut in particular. Uh, Connecticut, they spend around $18,958 per student. Uh, New York, somewhere around $22,000 per student. And those states are very high-performing states uh, in terms of uh, the math, science, and reading. They are very, very high-performing states. And Oklahoma, West Virginia, Alabama, generally the poor states that need the need the attention and funding, are the ones that lag behind the rest of the nation. And this is a serious problem because when you're having less funding per student, uh, then that uh, reduces like um, the ability for students to succeed, and then also the teacher to student ratio. And with a high student to teacher ratio, such as 25 kids, that brings us all back to the stress. Teachers are stressed, students are stressed, everyone's stressed, and we have all these problems. And with the stress thing, now we actually had a class our freshman year. It was AP uh, U.S. History, and it was the first AP, uh, it was the only AP, uh, I think, class that you were allowed to take as a freshman, yeah. and not a lot of kids took it because yeah. in our eighth grade year, the, all the teachers were like, you're going to have four hours of homework a night. They were trying to not get they were us. They are trying to, to like, scare us out. They were trying it. to scare us out, which... I mean, they almost <laughs> they almost got me, but they almost got me to not take the class. But I think my class had eleven kids in it. Mine had 
I think also 11, but like, I, I do remember the Tri Scare, but I was like so stubborn. I was <clears> like, no, you're not gonna not make me take this. Yep, but like, it, it was a hard class. The teacher is very strict, but also a very good teacher. Oh, yeah, now, he's really good. I feel like that class um, has been a class I've learned the most content in. Not only because the teacher was good, but also because of the teacher ratio. There was like we could learn a lot, and there was a lot of one to uh, one on one, and there were a lot of activities that we could work on together as students, and a lot of you know fun stuff that also taught us things, so we could be immersed in these topics. Yeah, and I relate to them. I have this. Uh, I had the te- we had the same teacher in ninth grade for this particular subject, and for AP European History, I've had this teach. I, I have this teacher again too, but um, he's a good teacher. Don't get me wrong; he's an excellent teacher. He is extremely knowledgeable. But because my class is so big, he's also really stressed. I could just see the amount of stress he has because uh, not only the way the kids are, but like there's just a lot of kids and there's a lot of content and there's also a lot of help that's needed. And he's trying his best. There's there's no doubt about it. He I, and I know he's really good. But uh, compared to my freshman year, I realized the performance in my, in my uh, ability to to like digest this content has dramatically uh, decreased. And it's not because of the teacher, it's because of the problems within the classroom. Uh, I mean, it could be stemmed from, like, distracting, stu- distracting students and such, but it's it's mainly because uh, this teacher, he, he has a lot on his plate, and, and these he, kids are... I mean, he like, now teach more than one grade level, because he's teaching AP Euro, which he's also just started, like, graders. two years ago. <laughs> so he's not only teaching freshmen, but I think he's also teaching maybe some well, uh, he's teaching sophomores, up and then he's teaching too. juniors and seniors. So he has to teach every grade level and really know how to um, focus in on those groups which is really tough for him which he's, he kind of got thrown into uh, I think AP Euro like I think like two years ago yeah I mean he knew what like he was putting himself into but like it just got to the point I don't think he was expecting that many students to be signing up in his classes mm-hmm. and especially when you're dealing with a bunch of freshmen I mean I know we weren't the greatest class but he, he seems really stressed about it yeah um, <clears throat> I mean that's I mean that's a lot and when you're looking at also like yeah, that's about it. Um, also, when we're looking at content that's being taught in school, that that's like a whole new animal. I mean, there's a lot of things in school that are like being taught to us that are extremely extremely irrelevant. And then because the way our school is in our background, being that we're kind of like we're a big school. Don't get me wrong; we have like somewhere around three thousand students, but we also uh, the boundaries of our district is huge. So we have, like, inner-city kids. We also have country kids. There's a lot of kids. We're, we're, we have a diverse population of uh, kids, uh, not only in race and ethnicity, but also in their living backgrounds. Some live in the mm-hmm. mountains. Some live in the city. Some live in suburbs. It, it's, it's really diverse. And some of the things that they're teaching everybody doesn't apply to everybody. It, it, there's specific needs. Yeah, that's one thing I uh, really notice. Um, and it's, it really boils down to this common core. Now, I don't really hate Common Core as it, it helps with, like, on a national level yeah. to make sure that everybody is, you know, learning the same thing. But at the same time, since everybody's learning the same thing, you can't really hone in on the capabilities of some students who are, like, going to excel in one in one area because they have to stay on this Common Core track and they can't really yeah, get common, off of it. This Common Core thing's kind of stupid because it's like they're teaching, like, uh, like I was it like they do this like multiplying things like five times three and then like they have to like make the kids like turn into adding and then, like the kid does five plus plus five plus five plus five but then the teacher like marks it wrong so like has to be like three plus three plus three plus three plus three and it's like what the heck yeah I saw it's, that. Like, it's like so dumb I saw and, like, that in a, a picture it's on, like on, on Reddit some, yeah it's on some subreddit 
Yeah, I saw that, but um, yeah, that's one of the things when we when we first started elementary school, they had this stupid thing called investigations. You remember that? Oh my gosh, I hated investigations. Uh, Those was so dumb. You know, we I never learned the standard I, algorithm for um. There's a standard algorithm. Yeah, no, no, I never learned the standard algorithm for multiplication because what they did was they wanted us to like learn how to like perceive math and like see it like happening in our minds. So like. When like something like when we were doing a math problem, we'd have to draw it out and this break it so apart. Unnecessary. I don't remember this. Whereas like they they didn't want us to know like standard algorithm for like multiplication and like um, subtraction and stuff like that, which I did learn like after a while. But they didn't want us to have to like know like have to know that. They wanted us to be able to figure it out in our minds, which was a really weird. It was really concept. weird. They were, like still teaching us how to add stuff in like fifth grade. And I'm like, boy, I'm trying to go into like pre-algebra next year. Yeah, and. That was the thing. They got rid of it after a couple of years because my sister's in fifth grade now, and she, they don't do that anymore. They yeah, completely ditched it. It's they ditched it, but it's, it's something weirder now. It's like, and it was when they were first starting Common Core, but they actually teach standard algorithms now, which is something I agree with. Uh, when we when we look at Common Core, it was supposed to elevate the entire nation to like a a level of uh, like. I don't know. I don't know. It's like I watched like some video from the U.S. government and like from the education board, and it was like supposed to like elevate our country to a whole new level above everyone else to make us competitive with the world. And like, but then like when I'm looking at all this stuff that they're teaching us, I'm like, okay, no, this is absolute garbage. And then when you compare our test scores with the world and in specific uh, specific areas such as science, math, and reading, now these are scores. I think they're out of like six, seven hundred. And this is how the U.S. stacked up. Our the U.S. stacked uh, four hundred ninety six points for science, four hundred seventy points for math, and four hundred ninety seven points for reading. Now our northern neighbor Canada, they scored five hundred twenty eight for science, five hundred sixteen for math, and five hundred twenty seven for reading. Now when you're looking at a country like Japan, a place that I've actually attended school in, um, because I'm like a citizen and I'm uh, of Jap uh, I'm Japanese. Um, their science is uh, scoring at 538, uh, 532 for math, and 516 for reading. And when you're looking at those countries, I know Japan's kind of like very unique compared to us, but we do have a lot of things in common uh, that we don't really realize. But when we look at Canada, a country that we have very close ties to, a country that we can relate to a lot, and yet they are excelling in all these subjects far beyond us. I think a lot of it has to do with culture, too, but I think that's a topic for another but debate. When we, but when we're also looking at culture, Canada's very alike with us, too. We it are, is, we, but... We, are ba we can go to Canada, and we can basically be Canadians, and Canadians can come to America, and they can be Americans, because that's how cl like close we are culturally. But I think also, like, culture-wise, like, there's not an incentive to learn as much. Like, we're not... I guess in Japan, it's very heavily, um, oh, definitely. I guess, like... Yeah, they're, they're, it's not incentive. It's more like a cultural boundary where you, you must excel in your, your subject category. It's, but it's also, like, a pride factor. You should be proud in the things that you do. Whereas, like, in inner-city schools and, like, out in the country sometimes, kids drop out of school, like, at a you know... At a very young age, sometimes. Yeah, and they 16, go straight... To, 17, 18. And, yeah, so that's, like, the one issue. People in our country don't have an incentive to learn. And then also, you know, our our common core issues in our curriculum isn't uh, focused around actually like progressing, life yeah, progressing the student. That's like one of the, our big topics. Yeah, the lack yeah, of life the, skills. The lack of life skills that are being taught. I mean, 
I know a couple of years ago, like my sister, she just graduated from college and she graduated from high school in 2015 and she learned how to type and learned how to write cursive. Now cursive I still think is kind of relevant, but um, in our digital age where we have to submit applications online, there's phone interviews, we have to fill out, like we have to like pay bills and such and fill out so many things on a computer, I think typing is a necessity. It's, there's no doubt about it, typing is a necessity, and that's a class that has not been offered uh, at the middle school for at least somewhere around five years. Yeah, and um, yeah, I never learned typing either. I know my mom learned typing when she was in high school, and then there was an, she even took a typing class when she was in college. So they don't emphasize like life skills as much. We can yeah, see this in like typing, and he he my dad took typing. He graduated in seventy seven. Exactly. And that's how important <laughs> it is. And now we're cutting it out in a time where digital technology is becoming super super important. Mm-hmm. And there's a bunch of other stuff as well that they don't even teach anymore, like driver's ed. I know that was a really big program. I don't even know when they got rid of that. Do you know when that uh, happened? Well, I do know that these, like, at our high school, they still have those loaded units where they, like, do driver's ed where you're supposed to, like, simulate on the road. But those, um, according to the custodian, they have, those haven't been used in over 15 years. Yeah, so they don't teach you how to, to drive, which is and something guess what really happens? Need. There's a higher percentage of crash rates. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and one of our friends just got in one. And so it's like... Our, uh, one of our really close friends, and we're not going to say his name, but um, he had a car for about two months, and he got in a car accident on Christmas, which is two <laughs> days ago. And so, so. it's like, it, 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 it's really relevant, especially when it comes down to this, like, it impacts you. Like, this is really important I, stuff. Like, I know a lot of students and friends of mine who have gotten in, in a car accident in, like, their first six months of being on the road. Yeah, that's why insurance premiums for, like, 16, 17-year-old drivers mm. are astronomically high. And that's why I'm holding off getting my permit until, like, very soon. Uh, concerned by the time I need to get a license, I don't think I have the financial means to do. And I mean, I could. Be, I'm, I mean, I think I'm. I would be a responsible driver. It's just generally because we don't have drivers ed. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> yeah, and the, there's some other classes that we really lack, like finance classes, which you can take as an elective. You can take like dollars and cents, and then like stuff like that. Entrepreneurship, but it's, like, but it's not like business. emphasized. It's like solely business. It's like how do you manage the finances of a business? Like how yeah, do you do like it doesn't teach you like if you're an S or C corporation, how do you file your taxes? It's like okay, but I'm a I'm a working class man. How do I file my income taxes? Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really teach you how to like. Write checks, for example. Like, I couldn't tell you how to write out a check, which my mom said that they took, like, some sort of, like, home ed class when they were in high school, which they don't teach anymore. But it taught you basic life skills, like cooking, yeah. cleaning, uh, like, sewing. finances. Yeah, sewing was one of them. So it just taught you basic life skills that they don't really teach us anymore. Instead, they focus on, oh, memorizing the unit circle and just stupid stuff like I mean, that. I know that, that we... stuff is, like, relevant, but that's only, like, job-specific. Like when you Exactly. Wanna, when you become a... But it doesn't matter what job you do. If you're a welder, if you're an architect, if you work at fast food, you need to know how to manage your finances. You need to know how to write a check. You need to know how to balance your checkbook. Those are things that are relevant. Knowing a unit circle does not apply when you're making french fries at McDonald's. Exactly. And that's the thing that I think the Common Core is like failing at. It's honing in on the skills and what students actually need. And that's why I think we don't need to necessarily get rid of it, but it definitely needs to be altered so students can can follow the path that they need to be successful and then we can teach these skills so that everyone can be successful and they don't get out like later in life and not how to do know how to do this stuff. I mean I could speak from experience um, in Japan 
Um, I mean, I've gone to school there twice. Now, it was only for a month, uh, considering uh, my mom, my sister, and I, we would go over for an extended stay, about a month uh, to a month and a half. So what my mom would do is she would put me into school, and I had I had plenty of friends, so I, I, I was like very familiar with them, and plus I'm, I, I'm pretty proficient at the language too, reading not so much, but that's irrelevant, but... I in those in that one month of just being in Japanese school for I was in first grade and fifth grade I learned a lot of things and there's a lot of differences I know even at a young age um, they would start learning uh, teaching English to fourth graders and they would start learning English since the fourth grade I know it was like only once a week but still it was an introduct it was an, it was an easy introduction to the English language because there's an Air Force base nearby that's how like my mom and my dad met but like um, it was very relevant. There's bases all over Japan, and so English is a relevant language. And so they taught that at a young age. And also sewing. We, we would have a sewing class once a week. We would have a typing class once a week. And we would also, I think, had a cooking class once a week. And so these things were very relevant, and the Japanese government and the education board realized that these were necessary. And so from my experiences, compared to American school to Japanese school, the Japanese schools, they teach these life skills that are necessary. And uh, it's helped a lot of my friends, even at, they're still like my age, 16, 17, they are now starting to get jobs and they, they can manage their own finances without a need of like someone from like, was it like Edward Johnson or like T. Rowe Price or their parents, they, they can do it themselves because they were taught. Yeah, and that's one of the really big things. Um, so like, like I've said, I, there's a lot of things I don't know how to do because we don't, we haven't taught it in school, like sewing. I, I don't know how to sew. I mean, I could like. I could, I mean, I, I only I took could, that month, so, like, I could, like, stitch things, but, like, I, that's it. Yeah, that's probably the only, that's probably the best I could do, and finances, I don't even know how to write a check, I, I guess, I don't know, it's just something they don't really teach anymore, I guess they don't think it's not valuable, or they think that they don't have enough time because Common Core is cramming this stuff in, and I know a lot of teachers are stressed, back to this whole stress thing about they can't fit in the curriculum in the time period, like, our, a, one of our AP teachers who teaches, uh, AP, uh, a, uh, AP language and composition. It's an English class, and uh, our school is recently doing these junior jive things. Which, oh my, I hate that. Yeah, it's like the counselors do like a little live stream. It's not even live. It's so stupid. Yeah, it's they. They're like, oh, the videos are cringy. Basically, it's supposed to like help you do better in life by like Knowing helping where you, you want to go to school or something. Dumb yeah, like it, that. it teaches you like, oh, this is like how you should uh, like. This is how you should know where you want to go to school and stuff like that, and it's they're pretty dumb. But they're supposed to we're supposed to have like fifteen scheduled a year, and they take pretty much a whole class period in a class like an AP class where we're already like crammed in, and plus trying we're to get the curriculum in. Too. Exactly, we're trying to get this curriculum in, and then for them to say, "Oh, you have fifteen less days now to teach all of this, all it's, of this." It's irrelevant too, because nine times out of ten they've been they're, they're like blue collar jobs and then like the next junior job is white collar jobs the next one's like you should not go to college and i think the next one's going to be like you should go to college and it's like make up your mind yeah and that's the one thing they i guess they give both sides of the argument but then again they, it also really doesn't help because a lot of students already know if they want to go to college if you're in an ap class like we are you don't need to watch those videos because we're going to college that's I why we're taking the I, class i know where i want to go you don't need to tell me where that's I, the whole I, reason I go. of taking the ap class it's to get those credits which will make you not have to take some class in college. No, I'm going to go so, to the IB program to make myself stressed and work on a farm. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, basically, it's, they think that we don't need these, well, that we need these junior drives, even though we already know exactly pretty much what we're going to do with our lives. And so they're useless. So then 
now that the teacher has 15 less days to do like the curriculum they're stressed to get everything in then since they're cramming it in we have more work on top of the work we already have in all of our other classes so it's just all around bad for the students and the teachers i do know that with this um so we get a calendar with all of our stuff and our like scheduled homework and then like when there's a junior jive thing we have to like double stack them and do like it either the day before or the day after and it's like oh my gosh this is like it's unnecessary like it's like and I mean, it's, we still are able to complete all the content in like two, for two days in one, but that's because we're going at, at such an accelerated pace. You're like, what the heck's going on? Yeah, I feel like um, so, sometimes with these accelerated like paces that we're going in these classes, sometimes it feels like we're going so fast that we don't really master or even learn some of the stuff. They kind of just go over it, and we're kind of expected to know it, which is something um, I don't really notice that in like my AP, or AP European class, but stuff like uh, AP uh, language and composition some stuff we learn and then we don't really kind of we don't really go over it and you there's know. a test there's a 70 point test AP we're like Phys Whoa. yeah ap physics for example our teacher's been out over for over a month uh she had surgery well oh you don't you're not in that class no i'm not in that class uh yeah so she's been gone for over a month and um so not only do we have a teacher but also before well when we did have a teacher it was we were going at such a fast rate that we didn't really review stuff. We kind of just were taught it, and then it just went on. We're expected to know it. So not only were our grades bad already, but then our teacher was gone for a month. She just gave us some materials and then expected us to learn it on our own, which uh, I think she's going to be back when we get back from break. Yeah, but I, I'm not, you know, it's, there, it's there, bad all there's around. There's a lot of things like that I, I see. It's like the teacher's like, here's some work, and I'm like, okay, did that. And they're like, big test, and I'm like, but I'm not even sure if this is correct. Can you help me? They're like, nah. Because they, they don't have time to review stuff, and even if they do, they're not motivated to do it anyway. You know what I'm saying? Remember our 8th grade science teacher? Mr. Walls? Yeah, that dude. That, I mean, he was, like, great, but, like, he was also lazy. I am sorry, but, like, he was lazy, but he was, like, also, like, he was, like, really funny. I mean, I still got good grades in that class. Oh, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I had 103 like, when I finished. But, like, I, I mean, he, he would just, like, sit around, but, like... But he was very organized. He, he was, was, like... He was super organized. Like, he had everything set through. He knew what he was talking about. He knew what he was teaching. He would help, but everything else, he wasn't planning. He wasn't planning lessons. He wasn't doing anything. But he, he had, just like, sitting a, in his chair, and he was just, like, on his phone. He had, like, like, a set schedule for every unit. So, basically, every unit was the same. We'd, uh, read we'd like do vocab i think it was like go in a book find vocab yeah and, like, so we'd read we'd, the actual thing take notes so yeah we would do vocab at the beginning of the unit then we'd read the chapter then we'd like we'd, and we'd take notes on the chapter i think we would take a like we would watch a like a documentary as a yeah and then we'd like aid. wake a video oh, we'd like watch a video and then we would uh do like an activity and then we'd review for the test we do like a written review, and then we would do that the clickers review, and yeah, then we would do the the, uh, actual test. the test. And then the, you know, it's so every unit. That's how we did it. We only had like two labs, was, which is kind of boring. I mean, yeah, we only had two labs, considering like there was a lack of. They always pointed at the lack of funding. There was a lack of funding, so we couldn't do many things. And plus, it was just eighth grade, so they also like kind of brushed off. They're like, ah, eighth graders. Yeah, we don't care about them. They're going to be gone to high school pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They don't really oh, oh, that matter. also reminds me. It's like in, in middle school, starting at the seventh grade, they were like, oh, yeah, we're preparing you for high school. This is how it's going to be in high school. And I entered ninth grade. They were like, we're preparing you for college. And I'm like, but I have four years in this building. I don't need to be worrying about college right now. And they are like, I don't care. And I'm like, oh, okay. So that's how it's going to be. Yeah, and that's the thing. They were always trying to prepare us for the next level to the point that, like, 
when we are in high school, that we are in high school, like some of the high school classes honestly feel like a college course because they're so like, uh, in back in middle school, some I'm not really, but some of the, you know, the the classes were as hard as some of my high school classes, which some of my high school classes are hard, but most of them tend to be pretty easy. But you know, I think they really focus on preparing us for the future, but not in the right way. Yeah, they just keep on thinking about only the future and not about. It's like saying. Oh, we're gonna prepare for um, a interview, but they tell us nothing about what the right etiquette for an interview, what to say in an interview. They're like, we're gonna prepare for an interview. This is how an interview is gonna be like. We're like, wait, what am I supposed to do in an interview? And they're like, interview time, and I'm like, wait, what am I supposed to do? Yeah, that's like, <laughs> that's one thing. Uh, preparation in like the wrong categories. Now there was this one class that we had ICT. I don't know what it stands for. You yeah, know what it stands for? Technology, communicate. Communi- oh, ec- right. ICT. Wait, information I, communications technology. I think. Yeah, I think or that's is what it ITC? is. I, I think I it's ICT. I, I don't know. know. But it's a required class. I think they changed it. I think it's for tenth graders, not for ninth graders anymore. I thought it was tenth graders, then ninth graders. I honestly don't know. Anyway, so it was this class where basically the whole thing was um, public speaking and speeches. Uh, how to write speeches. How to get across like your opinions to people. And then also how to like you know not be nervous and stuff like that and be able to give your speeches, um, and I guess some of it was. I mean, I, I found it actually a pretty useful class. Somewhat useful. I wish I did take a higher level English class. Like what we're learning in AP Lang is rhetoric, and that's like the basically the art and mastery of how to argue, but it's also arguing ethically. So like you're not going to be like making like stupid accusations and just like point false like stuff and all that stuff that's not what rhetoric is it's like basically the mastery of argument i wish i like had that type of knowledge before taking this class the ICT then class. i think i would have succeeded in this and class i, I a feel lot like better. honestly ap this ap english class is teaching me how to give speeches how to be like have social skills better than the ict class which is supposed to be doing that yeah i i, I don't know it's just I, don't, I mean, I found, like, this entire thing, that everything that we learned in English extremely interesting. Like, mm-hmm. I've actually enjoyed it. it. Like, this is, like, the first time I enjoyed an English class. Don't get... Uh, and I've used like, it in everyday life, too, like, I've, some of the skills that we've learned. I mean, it's, this, this is, like, probably, like, the first time I've seen an English class actually benefit me. At first, I was, like, AP. They're probably going to make us read a bunch of books. I mean, yeah, we're Which, re- yeah, re- yeah, reading we a bunch of books. But the books also tie into everyday life. Like, alone... Uh, there's a book, Thank You for Arguing, and its entire purpose is basically how to tie in rhetoric throughout your life effectively and ethically. And I've read it, and it really, truly does mm-hmm. apply to us every day. Honestly, yeah, I feel like this is one of the only classes I've taken that's actually going to benefit me like later in life, like in my later in life skills. Because um, it's like teaching basic stuff, kind of like what um, the life skills we were talking about. And this is just communicating and getting your point across effectively and being able to argue without like causing a fight true so let's just like wrap everything that we've just talked about right now so we talked about like the stress in school we talked about common core and how awful it is and we talked about like the lack of life skills uh, that are being taught in the preparation of colleges and and, and, like, how school funding has affected that within the elective statistics that we have seen. And they're all tied together, really. We, what do you think, in your opinion, should be done um, in order to fix all these problems? Mm-hmm. It's like, what what do you think would actually help? Considering, like, we, we're still in school, and we want to make sure that we will have a good education, a beneficial education, that benefits all. But, like, what should happen that would fix most of these problems? 
and I mean, I could think of a couple of ideas, like, we can increase school funding, but, like, that also means higher taxes, and higher taxes in the public just don't go well. Or taxes in a different area. Taxes but... in general just don't go well, but, like, those those things are necessary in order to, we just can't pull money out from nowhere and just expect things to happen. That just does not happen, and especially... I mean, we definitely do need to increase school funding, but we also need to provide incentives for more teachers because we want to lower that teacher-to-student ratio. That's going to eliminate stress completely, in my opinion. And also just a change in our culture and, like, creating an incentive to learn. I watched a podcast with Neil deGrasse Tyson. I think it was Joe Rogan, honestly. I don't know. But it was about um, getting students to want to learn because if you don't want to learn, you're not going to learn. And that's why we see these bad scores in America and also the fact that we don't like have the materials we need because of this lack of funding i think the canadians got it down because we are culturally very similar mm-hmm. and yet they are succeeding in every aspect possible and i think a really good thing is we should probably learn from the lessons of the canadians because honestly they've learned lessons from us we've learned lessons from them and i think this time in terms of education i mean japan's a good example but we're very culturally different they kind of force education yeah, rather but, than i mean incentivize it, it. Well, there's a lot of incentives with Japanese education, but I think it, we're still very culturally different mm-hmm. compared to the American people. But the American people and the Canadian people were very, very similar. And I think if we if we use the applications that they have on us, I think we would have a very positive impact. So I think learning from the Canadians would be really beneficial. Yeah, so uh, I think that's going to wrap it up for this yeah, podcast. Yeah, so uh, everyone, uh, so thank you so much if you uh, made it to the end of this podcast. Um, I know it's kind of awkward at the beginning starting of it, but um, hopefully this everything worked out. I changed everything with the mic. I know there's a lot of uh, complications with the staticking noise. Hopefully I uh, fixed it. I increased the projector rate, uh, hertz rate to 384,000, and I adjusted the mic volume and all that stuff. Also, I am in need. Uh, if anyone's willing to make me a uh, an audio like intro for my podcast, that would be wonderful. Um, I've been trying to find ways to make an intro for my podcast. That would be absolutely wonderful. And guys, if you can give me suggestions uh, that would be beneficial to improving this podcast, that would be absolutely wonderful. And also, if you guys want to be a guest uh, speaker on this podcast, make sure to reach out and contact me, and maybe we can uh, arrange something. Thank you so much, guys. That's it for this podcast, and see you in the next one. Peace.